Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. So we just let's just flow through the text. So we're going to be in Philippians 1. I want y'all just 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 ride through with me and I'm going to point out some things, some beautiful things that God is doing in his word. Y'all cool with that? All right. Awesome. Take his verse makers. All right. So Philippians 1, I'm going to read this to you. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in, in every prayer of mine, for you all for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the day, from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may, ab- may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be sure and blameless, blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through uh, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's just amazing the stuff Paul's saying. But he's in a jail cell when he's writing that. Does that kind of change it for you a little bit? Like, what, like, like, it changes it for me. Like, I read it, and I'm like, man, man, he loves his people, man. Like, this is just this, the things he's saying are just beautiful, you know what I'm saying? And how he's modeling, you know what I'm saying, just... Just being a, 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 a believer and standing in faith in Christ Jesus is completely awesome. But then it's like, oh, homeboy's in the jail cell. That's a, that's a whole nother deal, right? It's a whole nother deal, right? There's a couple of things I want to point out here real quick. In verse 4, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, right? Paul is talking to the Christians, right, at Philippi, and he's, he sees them as being in a partnership, which is amazing to me, right? So he's basically, um, the, you know, what we could say, somewhat of the father of their faith, but he's sitting in a jail cell, and while he's in this jail cell, he's still in utter, utter contentment, number one, within God, and he's still completely ten toes all the way in, Pressing forward the gospel. Like last week I talked about discipleship and this idea of when you have a position, you try to work yourself out of the position by putting everything you got into somebody else, right? Like that's kind of the concept of leadership. It's not necessarily that you, you may be working yourself in the position if that's your calling for the position is for you to lead people, right? So if you're a disciple maker, you solidify your position by laying everything you got and putting it into somebody else. The beautiful thing that God is doing in your heart, you're giving it away to somebody else. So the concept, what Paul is saying here, he's like, yo, you're my people, but like we're in a partnership because we're experiencing the grace of God together. Y'all get where I'm coming from? It's beautiful. It's beautiful, right? When you look at it from a practical standpoint, but it takes another light on when you look at it from the standpoint of he's actually sitting in a jail cell. And not only this, is he, not only is he sitting in a jail cell, you know, I think a lot of times when we, when we talk like this, we don't really think of the whole 
context of the situation. So we just think of it from a, like a Hallmark card kind of standpoint, like, oh, these are such, this is just beautiful or whatever. But the fact of the matter is this right here. Like, these people are crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of y'all, when I say like a, something like, man, be praying for the people around you. Man, see them as being in partnership with them or whatever, right? In your mind, you be like, I don't know about all that, you know what I'm saying? Like, home, somebody just got slick out their mouth to me the other day. And, like, we kind of, like, it's easy to walk around in strife and all these different things or whatever. Like, Paul's not talking to people who are just, like, it's easy to do because everybody's perfect, right? And a lot, of the, a lot of the letters, we see Paul actually addressing people that are nuts, that are absolutely crazy. They're, they're committing sins that in this day and age, if we, if we heard somebody is like, like, what do you mean is incest in the church? Like, we would kind of, we'd be like, no way, burn the church to the ground. This is absolutely crazy. But Paul is still addressing these people from a gospel standpoint as if he has hope for them. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I'm saying these things because I, I, want, I wanted to mess with you. If I'm walking in the light to you like, man, I, 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 I complain over the craziest stuff. You feel me? I, I complain over the craziest stuff. And Paul's in a jail cell, and he's so focused. This messes me a little. This this messes with me a little bit. Does it mess with any of you? Do you feel like like Do you get that feeling like, man, I'm kind of, I'm kind of spoiled, man. Like maybe I need to ask God to give me another perspective or point of view on things or whatever. Like I need to learn how to rejoice in hard things, and I need to and 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 I actually want to learn how to actually love the people in the chairs next to me, right? Even when it's hard, right? That's what it does to me a, a bit, right? A lot. That's what it does to me. But Paul is actually loving these people, right? And in verse 8, he says this. He says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So, for Paul, the filter for how he rationalizes everything is through the cross, right? It's through the cross. It's not this idea of, it's not the Hallmark card kind of love. Like, oh, man, we need to just be sweet and love each other. I get people that say that type of stuff to me all the time. Like, when we talk about, like, different, different tensions in the church we might have to deal with, they're like, oh, that's crazy, man. Man, no, who does that in the church? I'm like, brother, me. I do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I do it. I, I, I feel like gossiping sometimes, right? I get angry and get my, feel, my feelings hurt, right? I can get short with people because I'm like, uh, I ain't really feeling that. I get mad at people's just certain things that they do. Like, I'm not good within myself. None of us are, right? God is doing something inside of us. So Paul is like, when he makes this statement, he's not affording him, he's not giving himself the credit of being good within himself. He's like, my love, he says, for I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. It's a statement that this is not my goodness that perpetuates this work. It's what God has given me through his son, Christ Jesus. Y'all with me? This is so important. The reason it's so important because whenever we preach on things like this right here, like, you know, it has this kind of tension in it, whatever, where it's like, okay, takers versus makers or whatever. So it's easy for you to sit in a seat and be like, oh, junk, I don't want to end up being a taker. I think that's the bad thing or whatever. And you, you can go into all of this fleshly stuff or whatever and miss. You can hear the things that, that start with need. What we need, I need, I need, I need, instead of what God is actually doing and what we should receive that God has actually done on our, on our part or that, 
or, or, or you miss the idea that we don't have this within ourselves. These aren't our virtues. This good, this good stuff is not ours to claim within ourselves. It's actually rationalized, right, through the affection that we get in Christ Jesus because of what he's done on the cross, right? In verse 9, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Everything he's talking about, it's about what is happening through Christ Jesus to God's glory. You see that? The knowledge, the discernment, everything is based in the cross. It's not this thing of get smarter. It's like get more of Jesus. Let, let, let the cross get so big in your life that you're so resolute in the fact that I don't have it all. God, you have it all through your son Jesus and this will begin to do a sanctifying work where there is knowledge and all type of stuff. All the big questions you have that you try to find outside of the cross, they're right there at the foot of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? He's saying, my people, this is where, this is where it's at. This is where it's all at. I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He, he, he makes sure not to ever play with his words. He doesn't want anybody to give him the credit for anything. He's like, don't, don't get it twisted. This thing I do, this is the thing he did. This is what he did on the cross. This, you, you're experiencing what is happening to me because of what he did on the cross for us, right? In chapter four, in, in chapter four of Philippians last week, we talked about, he said, uh, he said to the people, he said, I love and I long for you. His, the way he makes disciples is through the cross, he is lavishing them with this love that he gets. He's, he's received from God through his son, Jesus. That, that's it. That's the key for him, right? Um, I just feel like I can't make that statement big enough or whatever, right? And he said, and then also we talked about last week where he said, like, he rejoiced in the idea that he's like everything. He said, don't rejoice in the fact that you have power and all this other stuff or you feel like you could prophesy or you have gifts and talents and everything, everything else. He's like... Your name is in the book of life, right? Eternity is yours. This is what he's pursuing with his people. He's pursuing the glory of God, and he's also pursuing people, sinners, the ministry of reconciliation, enemies of God becoming believers, becoming a part of our family, right? Second Timothy 2, he says this. He says, a good soldier of Christ Jesus he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as, good, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Right? So Paul, Paul has this disposition where he's like, He's like, my everything, all that matters to me is actually serving God. He's actually, he's, turned, he, he's died to civilian pursuits, and he is like, God, I'm, I'm in your army as a soldier, right? I'm in your army as a soldier. I just want, before we go into the rest of this text, I want you to get how Paul is standing in this conversation. Because I think it's, it's everything in this text to know Paul's mindset, and I know you've heard all of this stuff before, but I want it pushing on you a lot because he's, 
when we start following God, I think that, I, I know for me, and I know for a lot of people I talk to, I, I thought that, God, you're going to just bless me and lavish me with all type of beautiful things. And it was the furthest thing from the truth. I stepped into suffering. I stepped into a war. And, and, and the war wasn't just people in opposition, but it was the war of actually dealing with myself and actually swallowing how sinful and disgusting I was. Right? But as I walked into that, as we walk into that, God, the cross is getting more, I think I said it last week, I know it got more juicier. The cross got more juicier. I don't have a better word to tell you. I'm sorry. I feel weird saying the word juicier to you, but it just, that's my way of describing it. It just got juicy. It did. If you eat, if you eat ribeye steaks, my man said somebody early, do you know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's a silly comparison. It's foolish, I know. But I'm like, what kind of word do we have to describe the cross? I don't, I don't know what to say or whatever, but it's glorious. But the, glo- the trajectory of this thing is, is as I'm decreasing, decreasing, God is increasing, right? As I'm getting smaller in the story, as, I'm, as the, the lie that it's about me is fading and proving itself to not be true, but that the, the, it's, it, it's obvious that in my sinfulness, I'm an utter train wreck. The cross is getting that much, that much more glorious, right? It's getting that much bigger. The love of God is the life force of the disciple and the greatest tool of the disciple maker, right? The taker, not the maker, but the taker, thinks this stuff is foolish, small, cute, and like you throw it on a Hallmark card, but it doesn't see doesn't see it necessary to throw it on the heart. And that way they become enemies of God and the mission of God in his church, right? So like I talk about love a lot. I say it so much and sometimes I just feel like, man, I, I wanted people to just think that this is just foolish. Or if they feel like this is a sharp sword for how God moves his kingdom forward, right? But I say it because I'm like, this is everything. This is what we see in the gospel. First Corinthians 13 says it like this. It says, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have, a, have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It don't sound like no, no soft stuff to me. That sounds as hard as it can get. That's, that's, that's some serious stuff right there, right? It also sweeps the, the feet from up under my self-righteousness. It kills it. It kill, like, 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 I don't get credibility for being a pastor. You don't get credibility because you went and did something with the homeless. Not in that way. You get where I'm coming from? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. When we think about the word of God and we talk about when he says the branches are connected to the vine and when we connect it, it bears fruit. 
if you disconnect from the vine and you start trying to pursue fruit, it's just going to be right, and it just doesn't come out right, right? It's, it's this thing where it's like, in God, is God sovereign? Is he the source? And so love is, is everything in that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, he says this. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, and those, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What we carry as believers, this love of God, it's a gift from God. I want to be super clear with that. I want you to completely understand that. I want you to take that with you every day when you're rolling. It's a gift from God. It's not ours. It's not ours. Paul is not functioning off his, his goodness from within himself. The love of God controls us. The reason it controls us because if you let your love control you, it's going to be ugly, right? It's going to be like an eye for an eye. It sounds very reasonable. Homie, you cut me, then I'm going to cut you back twice. You know, a lot of people would say, that. let that be the law of the land. Let that rule right there. That sounds about fair and right, but that's love. That's our car carnal perspective of love. And, 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 and where, we, where, where the sin is perpetuated is when we, we, we become high-minded and we believe that what we have to offer the world in terms of love is actually bigger than what Christ has, right? I remember when I was a teenager, I wrote my mom this letter about how much I just told her I hated her. I sent her this letter or whatever, and I just was like, man, I hate you. During the time when I sent it, she was paying for lawyers and everything else, whatever, to keep, try to keep me out of jail, and I told her I hated her. Till this day, I'm a grown man, and I still hurt for sending that letter till this day. I still go see my mom and talk to her and laugh with her and have coffee, and I, and I still feel the disgust and hurt from that letter. It still, it still hits me. But it's sweet at the same time because it makes me cherish her love so much, Right? And it also, some of these things, whatever, these little jabs, these things where you felt so hard, it just keeps the cross big. I'm like, man, when I, when I want to float, because I, I got flesh like everybody else, when I want to float over to this side where I want to act like this righteousness is within me, I just remember some of these painful things that show me how disgusting I am. You get what I'm saying? That was a disgusting, ugly one. And it still doesn't leave me. But it's still beneficial. God is still bearing fruit out of that that ugly thing Satan meant to use in such an uh, ugly way. Does that make sense to y'all? All right. I want to read verse 12 right now, right? I want to talk about Paul's awareness in the big story of what God is doing, right? Um... Because I just think, I think it's a, it, well, let me just read the text. It's verse 12, right? He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ for, for, from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. 
The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. In my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, right? So look at the top of this whatever. There's this threefold advancement that Paul is talking about from his prison cell, mind you, right? So he says the imperial guard and to all the rest, right? He said so... The gospel is being known. The imperial guard is getting hit up in all the rest. I don't know if that me, what, whatever, who, who that means, but I'm guessing it means the criminal justice system, right? So he's like, me being in this jail cell is advancing the gospel. It's become known throughout the whole imperial guard, right? He says God is glorified through Jesus, right? He says, he says my imprisonment is for Christ. He said, in fellow, for the fellow believers, he said, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's crazy to me. I don't know, I don't know if when I'm, when I'm in the middle of something crazy like this, where I'm like sitting inside of a jail cell or going through hardships, like sometimes I, like, man, I can preach to you about Jesus all day or whatever, Right? Let the bills get behind. You know what I'm saying? When the, when the, like, you know what I'm saying? Let the bills get behind or whatever. I'm just like, I'm making accusations towards the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Got a $30 bill that's late. I'm like, why dost thou to Leave us in this time or whatever you need. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the case is, I'm just, I'm, I'm losing my mind. That quick, it's, it's left me. All, 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 all of that, whatever. It's left me. But like, Paul is sitting, he's like, he, he's, he, he's, he's fully, he's fully convinced that God is bigger than whatever he's standing in. And he's like, if I'm standing in it, then God is using it. And so he's, he's, he's taking a breath, right? He's taking a breath and he's like, He's like, yo, these guards, they ain't crazy. They're coming to put my cells, cell on and all this, but while I'm sitting here and I'm, and I'm glorifying God while they're walking me from cell to cell, they know something's up. It's messing with them. I see it. When they see me washing other prisoners' feet in the jail cell, they know something's up. When they see me on my knees praying inside of this jail cell, something's up, right? And then... For my brothers and sisters in Christ who are like horrified, like, yo, God, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to be up in no jail cell. That's how I feel. I don't know about you. I don't want to be up in the jail cell. I don't want to be up in the jail cell. But man, when I read this and I, and I know that God is, is with you still inside of a jail cell and he's being glorified and his kingdom's being advanced, feeling bold and like, yeah, let's get to it. you telling me that, that that can't stop us? Even the jail cell, even, even cuffs, that can't stop us? That means something. I'll tell you a story, right? So I remember back in the day, I was rolling with one of my homeboys or whatever, and he was driving my car, he was driving my car, I was in the passenger seat. And we got pulled over. And so, we get pulled over, cop runs our license or whatever, and he tells me, he says, yo, you have a warrant. And I was like, I said, I don't have a warrant. And he's like, no, you got a warrant. I said, brother, there's no way I have a warrant. Call downtown. He's like, I'm not calling downtown. 
get your butt up out of this car and put on these cuffs on me. And I was like, all right, okay, all right, I'll put them on. Where they at, you know? So I got out, I got out, and then they took me downtown. And so they locked me up, and then they took me to the mod upstairs. You know what I'm saying? It's like a big old, it's like a big old, um, it's like a big old glass room. And so and then it has all the tears and all that and everything else, whatever. Raise your hand if you've been to jail. I'm just playing with you. I'm just playing. Get your, yo, get your hand up. Get your hand up. I'm just playing with you. All right. I'm just playing with you. But, but seriously, like, peep it out, right? So, so, I go, so I go inside of there or whatever. I go inside of there, and I'm literally, at this time, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm like a new believer. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, so I don't, I don't even know. I'm, I'm still kind of figuring some things out. But I, I definitely had some childish beliefs or whatever, but... I just thought that I should be untouchable in certain, certain things or whatever. I, I didn't understand it. So I'm sitting, in this, I'm sitting in this jail cell, and I'm like, God, what in the world is this about? I know I don't have a warrant. What am I doing here or whatever? Like, why am I here? Man, I was only there till the next afternoon. While I was there, I can't even tell you how this actually happened, but while I was there, the whole mod ended up inside of my room, and we ended up having Bible study inside of that cell, oh, wow. right? So we, we, it, I can't even remember what I did to get people to the room. I think I just opened the Bible because I needed it in that moment. I just needed it. I needed it for my own soul, and people would just, like, read it out loud. And the next thing you know, everybody's in the room like this right here, like 14 deep, huddled in the room. The next morning, I go to court, and I went to court. I'm going to just tell you. When I went in the courtroom, the judge looks at the paperwork, and he goes, yo, this dude doesn't have a warrant. He's not even supposed to be here. But when I was sitting there waiting in the back room, I was with this other kid or whatever, this young teenage boy that had some pretty crazy charges, and he was scared to death. And he's just talking to me. He's like, man, I don't know what to do or whatever, this and that, da-da. And I just started talking to him about Jesus. Then I just grabbed his hand and prayed with him. And then when the judge, and then, and then when, the, when I get to the judge and he tells me, like, yo, you don't even have a warrant. I knew I didn't have a warrant. I knew I wasn't guilty of anything at all. But what I did come out of that cell knowing, God is with me no matter where I go. That was, that was, that was, that was an epiphany. That was one of God's sovereign moments to put an exclamation point, like, in my life, like, don't forget this because you're going to need this going forward. You're going to need to walk in this boldness. Like, homie, wherever you go, I'm with you. Everywhere is expedient. Even when you feel utterly inconvenienced with a flat tire or whatever, I'm in it. I'm with you. No time ever gets wasted. When your heart is, when your heart is resolute in pursuing what God has for you, right? And what he has for you is Jesus. I want to make, make that clear, because I'm not talking about pursuing some thing or righteousness on your own. I'm talking about when you are pursuing Christ, right? When the Holy Spirit is doing a work inside of you, and, you are st- and, and, and you are saying, you're, you're looking in the Word for more of Jesus, not more rules, not more regulations, but more of Jesus. God, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He wasn't playing. When I hit the jail cell, I'm like, homie, you done left me. When I came out, I'm like, oh, my God, where, you, where we going next? You get where I'm coming from? 
This is important. It's of other importance. The reason it's important is because when it comes to this church and the mission that I believe God has called us to and where it's going to cause us to go and the friction that's going to be in there, you need to know that God is big, right? We have a lot of fun in this church, but it's going to be days when you're going to get egg on your face. People are going to put egg on my face, and you may not want to stand by me because you're like, that. I ain't know it went down like this. It goes down like that. But God is big. He's with us all the time. And the long story of it is we will not ever, ever be ashamed, right? Why? Because our name is in the book of life, right? We can trip all in all of that stuff in between the story, but our name is in the book of life. It's secure because what Jesus has done. So as we walk forward in this long story, that's what we marvel in, right? God's sovereignty. Sometimes we reach for safety by building more, saving more, trying to fattening our savings account, our 401k, all that stuff. And there's a time for stewardship and building. That's good. But we see God redeeming people through the cross and Jesus by giving um, through the cross and by Jesus giving his life. So he's decreasing. Right. I ain't gonna lie to you. When I became a believer, I thought the trajectory of your life is that it just keeps going like that. Right. We're going to the moon. I told you all before, I honestly and my idolatry. When I first got into the church, when I finally thought, man, I was maybe doing God a favor and going to go to the church, I was like, in my mind, I was like, yo, we about to get this paper, Lord. We about to get the money. (laughs) For real, that's what I thought. I know it's ignorant. That's what I actually, I was foolish enough to think that. And God actually, in his grace and mercy, entertained this dumbness and and, and just with every opportunity just smacked me with the utter truth. Right? After a while, I'm like, I ain't care about money. I didn't care about nothing. I didn't care about even making it to my dreams. I just wanted to be at his feet because it's the sweet spot. I just Let me just get at your feet with my face on the ground. That's it. We're, I'm good. It's better than any money. We're good. And I know the hope that's coming. Sovereignty. We can rejoice in this jail cell because he's faithful. We can rejoice in, in, in the worst situations because we have a hope. We have a hope. We have a promise. And he sealed it in the blood of his son. I, 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 was, I was meeting with a guy this week, this week that I don't know from another church. And, um, and he says, uh, he says, he, 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 he starts just, you know, he's like from a very affluent context, really rich family and everything else. Really really great guy like the moment I sat down with him I just I just knew God was doing amazing stuff in his heart right and he was just like man Jay I got questions and everything else but he 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 started just talking about um he was talking about like like just working on virtues and different things or whatever and like going after God and stuff and everything else and you know I'm listening to him and then he asked me this question he said he said Jay like you know there's a lot of hard situations and circumstances. Like, how do you deal with all that with all your kids and family and people and this and that and everything else? And one of the things I told him, I said, bro, I said, the stuff you're talking about, about building these virtues and all this, like the studying and everything you're doing, I said, it's good. I said, but you, you, you're building a lot of it in comfort. And I said, I'm not going to give it a name, but building virtues and comfort ain't really the thing to do, right? I said, what you're missing in it is you live in the tension. You live in the tension of life, right? So when Paul says this, right, he says, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Um, no, excuse me. I'm going to jump towards the end. He says this. He says, 
um, and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, not as always, Christ will be honored in my body. So Paul, I'm skipping up a little bit, but Paul is in this, like, he's not foolish. He's in this tension of, am I going to be, you know, like, there is this tension of if we're going to be ashamed in this whole thing, right? There's this tension of if we're going to be ashamed or are we coming out like winners in this thing, right? Like, like, like is, is, is God going to be glorified? Is all of this stuff absolutely truthful? Is it truthful? And so what I was telling my guy was, I was like, bro, you have to live in the tension. I love comfort like the next person. I do. This isn't, a, this, isn't a, this isn't always this thing where you're stuck in it either or, like because it's not your righteousness. You understand what I'm saying? The work is in, if you're striving to do something, it's not to meet rules, and you're striving to get a taste of Jesus more and more. Because as you get a hold of Jesus, you start unclutching the idols that you love so much. So the way that you actually get into the work of that is you jump dead into the tension. And the tension is found in the word because the word is going to press on your idols. The tension is found inside of the context you're in getting involved because it's going to press on your idols, right? So when Paul talks about being in a prison, we're like, man, that's absolutely crazy. And it feels like an extreme example. But your, your, your hard thing might be, your prison might be the idea of actually taking some time to go spend with somebody who just needs a friend. It may be the tension of going to even visit your grandparents that you haven't seen in a while, but like, it just doesn't seem like fun to you. It may be actually suffering somebody that's a little off in a little while or whatever, but you know they can use some encouragement and they could take a Bible study, could help them and push them forward. That may be your prison because of your selfishness. Do you get where I'm coming from? You have to live in the tension. You have to live in the tension. So I'm not trying to say be good and do it. I'm saying be in it and lean on Jesus to get you through. This is why the tension perpetuates sanctification. And this is why I made this statement. Homie, don't work in virtues up somewhere hiding in a corner somewhere. You work on them in the middle of it all, in the middle of the mess. You understand what I'm saying? That's why I always tell you, if you want to know if it's going down, here's the thing, you don't have to be in a ghetto to deal with the ghetto. You don't have to. You don't have to. I remember when my brother's here, whatever, who's very healthy, wealthy, whatever you want to call it, he said, bro, he said, us rich people got a ghetto of our own. We can't even see our own mistakes. You get where I'm coming from? You don't have to be in the hood or anywhere, none of that stuff. Talk to the person next to you and get involved in your life, in their life or whatever, and you will step into some friction because we're humans, right? Because we're humans. Look, if you're married and you're dealing with, you married to another human, Boy, you in the ghetto. It just is what it is. It is what it is, for real, because you will find out. You will find out what time it actually is or whatever. You will, you will be like, oh, my God. Lord, help me. Right? So what I'm, just what I'm trying to say to you is this right here. You have to jump in the tension of it all because the tension is where it's beautiful. Right? The tension is where it's beautiful. Right? Not to make a play on words or whatever, but everybody was like, yo, don't go near the ghetto. But the ghetto is absolutely beautiful and there's beautiful people in it. Amen. And God has called us, caused us to step into the tension. This is why our church is moving the way it moves. I just want you to get a picture of where we're coming from with it. You have to step into the tension, man. 
And Paul, let me wrap this part up or whatever at the end. It says, some indeed preach, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambi- ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or, or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul is basically saying he, he, he's putting a bow on the whole thing or whatever. He's like, the, the, there's a real aspect to this thing, right? There's a beautiful thing for us to see that God is being glorified while he's in the jail cell. But just to not have us naive, people are coming at his throat while he's in the jail cell. People are actually looking to defame everything he preaches. He can't be holy. He's in a jail cell, right? They're looking to step on all of the work that God is actually doing and defame him and delegitimize him because he's inside of a jail cell. And I don't even know if delegitimize is a word, but rock with, but grow with me. Y'all know what I meant, all right? But what Paul is saying right there, he's like, yo, either way, while they're coming at my throat, the gospel got to get spoken, right? The spirit of God still does his work. So even while they gossip and they say what they say or whatever, God will give eyes for whoever he wants to hear the good news. Regardless, they're talking. You get where I'm coming from? What then? Only in that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. I just want to make that practical for you. It's another way where he's just talking about how we're bulletproof in God's arms. That's it. Even if they're talking junk, God is still lifted up. He's still glorified. Let me hit this last part. And um, somebody just put on a jersey in the back, and I think that was a symbol. I don't know what in the world that was about. It's really wrong, whatever, but all right. So he says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, shall I, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Right? You know, Paul, he talks about life and death with a, a, a very comfortable ease that's very uncomfortable for me. Um, and this is one of these moments, just being honest with you, where I have to step into the tension, right? I have to step into the tension because I'm like, you know, he's like, man, I might die. You know what I'm saying? I might go ahead and depart. I'm not really sure what I want to do. Um, but, you know, I've been just thinking about it and stuff, looking at caskets. And then, but I don't know, man, you know. Like, he's just, the way he's talking through this thing, I'm just like, man, I'm kind of uncomfortable, brother. Like, you know, but I get it, though. His confidence in Christ is absolutely crazy. I can't tell you, I can't stand up here and proclaim to you that 
that I'm going to have this conversation this way. But I want to. I really want to. I, wa- I, I want my faith to look like that. I really want it to, to, to look like that. And so the thing is this right here. I'm not going to start lifting weights to try to, like, get in this mindset where, like, hey, God, I'm, like, bring death on kind of deal or whatever. That's not what I'm actually going to do or whatever. But I am, I am going to step in the tension of, God, you telling me that you do a sanctifying work in people's heart like this, right, where, like, Paul, he, he rounds that statement off about death. I know I'm talking about death, but he, he actually leans towards life, and he leans to it for these reasons, for these reasons. As a disciple maker, look, he says, he says, for your progress and joy in the faith. And he says, um, he says so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul is like, yeah, I ain't going to check out yet, man. Because, y'all, I got, I got the, I love y'all. I love y'all. And this, and, and, and this thing that, that, that we see done with Christ Jesus when he's like, Lord, take this thing away from me. God, but your will be done. This submission to save and redeem all of us. Paul is, he, he's, he's, exempl- he's exemplifying that aspect for us. And, he, that, and that he's saying, nah, yo, we, we on a journey together. Christ, God is doing something, right? He says that you, may, that you may have ample, he says, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Like, I want you to just ask yourself this question. Do you ever think about your life and the things that you're going through like being used to glorify God? Now, I think that we always, we, a lot of times we think that way, whatever, when we're like, man, we are so cute today. I'm about to go out to the town center and kill everybody. Like, for real, straight up. I just got some new slacks. I'm about to kill them or whatever, right? I got the family, like our baby stroller is just sick. We about to kill it. Like, it's like, we think like that. We're like, God is being glorified because we are, I just got this new cut and my style has killed it. We think like that, Right? But what about when it's like your friends are like, girl, let's go hang out. And you're like, we, so-and-so didn't get his check this week. Um, we're just chilling at the house. We're going to play marbles. Y'all can come through <laughs> and whatever. We don't have enough marbles, but y'all can share. And we have some good fellowship. You know? Now, 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 now serious. If you hit somebody up and they say something like that, but they're actually joyful about it, tell me you won't be like that. They're like, okay, glory to God. You know, I don't necessarily want to be in the crib playing marbles, but nevertheless, point is actually taken, right? I'm just saying, I know I'm making it comedy or whatever, but like, it's really, really that important because when it comes to us submitting to God's sovereignty, the journey is not, we don't get to navigate it. That's the thing I want you to take home. We don't actually get to navigate it. Like, we're better with God navigating it. Matter of fact, we're hopeless without him navigating it. You get where I'm coming from? We're hopeless without it, right? And then, and then we're hopeless without it, and we're hopeless when we miss God's purpose and, inten- and his intention and in what he's doing, right? He's redeeming the lost. He's bringing glory to the Father. So there's no, when, if, if you feel like, God, what is my purpose in life? If, if you're a believer, this, this is it. Paul is exemplifying that to the point that everything's on the table, death and all. 
He's like, God, yo, if you, he's, this, is, this, is, this is expedient either way. If you got to take me out for your glory, so be it, because I know what's waiting on the other side. That's that eternal perspective that weighs in on the now. I know it's a whole lot of words I'm giving you, but I'm giving you things that have to be on the table for us as we're pursuing Jesus. These are things he puts on the table in front of us, right? Because he died to redeem the lost. He died that we would have the eternal promise, right? So all of this stuff is on the table. So we don't need to move forward and just function in life without this actual, it's expedient right now in the now, right? It's expedient now. When I get weary, the fact that I get rest on the other side actually gives me energy right now. The fact that I know that we're dealing with eternal things, when I know that when I'm dealing with somebody's soul, it has an, it has an effect on how I preach this word and the care that I give to it. You understand what I'm saying? Knowing that we will one day stand before the Lord and knowing that he's actually saved my soul, who doesn't want to make a good father happy? Right? I don't have to earn his love, right? We don't do this by works. I don't have to earn it. We have it through his son, Jesus. But in light of that, man, I want to run the race well because he's a good father. And that's perpetuated by me being with the father and spending time with the father. I'm going to end this right here. Um, let me pray. Let me pray really quick. Lord God, I just... Uh